You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. On this episode of the podcast, I have an impromptu chat with a bunch of Brisbane bookstagrammers. Try and say that really fast. We were meant to have a catch up over the weekend, but due to lockdown here in Brisbane, we were unable to do so. So I thought, why not record the chat with a few of them via the podcast? So this is a little bit of a different episode. We are going to chat about our current reads and things that we read over July. I hope you enjoy a little bit of a break in format. But before I get into that episode, I want to share with you a conversation that I had with Cecile from Street Library Australia, which is a non-for-profit organization that is a free book exchange focused on building community one store at a time. So essentially, you've probably seen these around or you might have seen this on Instagram where people can set up little street libraries in their homes or businesses that encourage people to take a book um, and to also leave a book in order to share their love of reading. Make sure you listen right into the end of the chat as there is a promo code if you are interested in purchasing your own street library. Hi Cecile, thank you so much for joining me on the Bookstore and Podcast. How are you today? I'm good, Tegan. How are you? And thank you so much for having me. I'm really well, thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation today all about street libraries. So can you tell me how did street libraries begin? Where did you come up for the idea? Well, I cannot take the credit for how Street Library started in Australia. Um, My really good friend, Nick Lowe, he went off to Portland, Oregon, and he discovered Little Free Library and thought that would be a fantastic thing to bring back to Australia. So he came home and he set up a committee of people to um, help him with a name to choose and they came up with Street Library and from that it just grew and he built libraries from his house and also started workshops for other people in the community to build their own. I really like that idea of, of uh, finding that inspiration elsewhere and not only thinking, oh, how great that would that be to also have that in Australia, but also going out and yeah, instigating it and creating it to make sure it happens and also um, upskilling others to create their own library, not just necessarily re- relying on uh, those materials. What is Street Library's mission? So our mission is to have 5,000 registered street libraries on our map by 20, by December 2021. Uh, so far, we've just reached 3,000, and I know Australians love a good challenge. So we've got 2,000 to go, and I feel like we can do this. We've, we can definitely um, reach our target, um, especially as we're all stuck inside or wandering around our neighbourhood we can start a new project and that's street library. Definitely. Cause you can visit a street library when you go out and exercise as well. So it's certainly something that I've, I would say would be very um, COVID friendly um, and very conducive to being in a lockdown. So if people are listening and they are interested in getting their own street library, how do they go about it? They can go to our website, streetlibrary.org.au, and they can purchase a street library pre-made or they can buy the kit and build it at home. It's a great project. The whole family can get involved. Or if they're really, really creative and great builders, they can build their own from scratch as well. They don't necessarily have to buy one from us. 
It's really interesting having a look through your Instagram feed as well and just seeing how creative some people can get with their themes and their color schemes. And um, that I think that's a really fun part of the project as well. So it's not only um, curating what goes in there, but certainly how it looks and how it appeals. So once people might have their street library, uh, whether or not they've, they've purchased it from you or they've created their own, how can they then go about letting people know about it? So firstly, they can... Uh... I really encourage them to register, so go on our map and be part of our 5,000 goal. And they can also um, download the flyer and drop it off into people's letterboxes in their neighbourhood to let them know that there's a street library. During COVID times, unfortunately, I mean, we really encourage people to have a street library party with cupcakes and um, sausage rolls. But during COVID times, we can't at the moment. But um, yeah, that's also another way to create a bit of a buzz with your street library. And I suppose that would be a good way as well of like you're almost doing a street library launch um, and even encouraging people to come along and, and to donate a book. I could certainly imagine doing something similar uh, with one of my book clubs is like you could start a street library and it could potentially be something that to help get it started, you could have a bit of a book club meeting around it or they will, everyone needs to bring or donate a book to start it. Because I suppose that, that like that's one big part of it, isn't it? You, the purpose is to take a book but also to then leave a book behind. So it's a good way to have some books in there already. Is that something that uh, you find people do or that enough people that might have a street library, they already have a few books that they would put in there anyway? So yes, when I first started my street library, uh, I donated the books, but there was one point where all the books were taken and it really upset me and it upsets many other people with the street library that all the books are taken. So I left my street library vacant for a few days to encourage people to donate. And I also put a sign because maybe some people don't understand the concept. It's the first time they've seen it. So I just put a little note saying this only works when you donate as well as um, take. So and after that, people have been fantastic. I've had so many great books um, pass, come and go in my library. So it makes it for a really good um, initiative. And, you know, just out the front in my garden, I was um, watering my garden and a woman comes bounding up to me and she said how much she loved my street library and it was the best curated street library in the neighbourhood. She makes especially visiting my library one of her top goals every time she goes out because she knows I'm always going to have a really good book in there. That's really sweet. And I think um, it would definitely be something that you, you probably don't see people taking books a lot of the times or you don't see people's like reactions or love for it. So that's really affirming to hear that from her. If people have a street library and they want to get a bit of buzz out there in their neighborhood about it, what are some suggestions that you have for them? So one of my, I have quite a few favourites things for people to do. Um, for Valentine's Day, they can wrap up their books with brown paper with a short description and call it Blind Date with a Book. They could have an Easter-themed street library. They could, uh, for Book Week coming up in August, they could do a Book Week theme. And my absolute favourite is Hall Halloween, 
where instead of calling it Halloween, I call it Halloween and make it spooky with spiders and cobwebs and as much excitement for children to get them to read as well. I also saw posted on your Instagram, uh, like a sticky note review on it as well, like on the books that you're putting in there too. So that that's a really nice way of um, connecting to other people too. And I would be, I would be really interested to know if there are street libraries that have a bit of a, like an annotated book floating in and out as well that allows mm. people to write comments and share um, their, their views on, on a different book that they've read. So We've, we've had a really good chat about how to actually get your hands on a street library, but also how to potentially establish one and um, get, it, get the buzz out there about it. Um, what about you personally in terms of street libraries? Where have you seen them? So I've seen them at a tra- my local train station uh, has a street library and my local park has one as well. Uh, cafes are a great place to have a a street library, but mainly at schools, at kindergartens. It's it's not just about the books. It's about starting a conversation with someone new and the street library is just a meeting point. So rather than ask people, what do you do for a living? It's more, what, what books did you read? And it opens up a whole range of conversations that you probably would not have gotten just um by passing someone by that yeah it's there's something really special about it and I always find that when I find a street library it's like Christmas every day I go to one I open it up and I discover a book that I haven't yet read and is there a way for people to discover street libraries? So if they're listening at the moment, they don't yet have their own, but they're interested in visiting one, how can they find out about it? So on our website, streetlibrary.org.au forward slash find, you'll be able to, to um, put in your suburb and then find the street library in your area. Excellent. And one last question before we end our interview. Have you found any interesting reads or any interesting like non-bookish things in a street library before? Yeah, so I've discovered some lemons and limes for me, for, for people to take, as well as toilet paper during the crazy toilet paper frenzy that people are are taking place um, during COVID, but also um, someone dropped off two boxes of erotica fiction in my street library, and my daughter was beside herself reading the back cover, giggling her head off with a husky voice. I had to snatch the the book off her and pop them in the recycling bin because um, it wasn't the type of books that I want people to read in my library. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cecile, for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Tegan. No worries. So make sure you give Street Library a follow. Their handle is at Street Library AU. If you are interested in either buying a pre-built street library or potentially buying one to build at home, you can grab yourself one 
with $30 off using the promo code BOOKSTORY in all in lowercase letters. So now back to some sort of regular programming with a bunch of awesome bookstagrammers from Booked and Busy Briz. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Bookstore in Podcast. You are currently listening to us uh, all in lockdown here in Brisbane over the weekend. We were meant to have a catch up today uh, in Brisbane and have a chat about what we've currently been reading and just all things kind of bookstagram. And unfortunately, we were unable to do so. So we've done a little impromptu Zoom call that we're recording as a podcast today. And I have four bookstagrammers at the moment in the call with me. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves, their bookstagrams, and tell us what they're currently reading. Sarah, would you like to go first? Hi, everyone, and thanks for having me, Tegan. It's good to be back. Um, I've got a bookstagram account called What's Sarah Reading Now? Um, and at the moment, I'm reading Monkey Grip by Helen Garner. It's the first um, of her books that I've read. It was published in 1977 and it's been retrospectively categorised as the first grunge lit book that's ever been written and it's about a woman, a single mother living in the 70s, late 1970s and it's about her relationships with men and what it is to be an artist and just navigating her way through life and it's actually very interesting so and would you like to describe your bookstagram feed for everybody yeah sure so um my bookstagram feed is very floral and botanical it's very bright very vintage um and just very pretty i like my pictures to bounce off the pages and hopefully that's something that i achieve (laughs) Yeah, I certainly think so. And what about you, Sabrina? Can you tell us about your bookstagram and what you're currently reading? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually use my main account mainly for like my bookstagram sort of stuff on it. So it's at Sabrina Marks Coaching and I do reviews and things on my stories, which I just love to do because I love to speak about things. Um, So I'm actually currently reading... Well, I just started it yesterday. I'm currently reading Shiver by Ali Reynolds. It's another like thriller type book. Um, I just started it, so I can't give any sort of review on it at all, but I'm really excited because I've heard that it's really amazing. So, Yes, that is a goodie. It's a good winter read as well because it's set in like ski fields. So even though like it's quite a warm day here in in Queensland, um, it's still sort of nice to kind of immerse yourself in a different freezing cold climate. And if anyone is listening and they have read it or just for Sabrina to know as well, I did do a episode on Shiva last uh, season on the podcast as well. So once you finish, you could have a bit of a listen to that. Magenta, would you like to go next and share with with us your bookstagram and what you're currently reading? Yeah, my bookstagram is a mum read. Um, mostly all I do on there is reviews and like cover reels, things like that. I really like putting up indie authors, like promoting their books and things like that. Um, I'm currently reading The Deep by Carl Perry. Um, yeah, I'm reading A Dance with the Fay Prince by Elise. Her first book deal with the Elf King was really, really popular. It was really good. Um, it's with the Fae Prince is like a Cinderella retelling um, along the lines of like Akatar and books like that. So yeah, it's really good so far. 
Awesome. Thank you. And Lauren, would you like to tell us about your Bookstagram account as well as what you're currently reading? Yeah. Hi. Thanks for um, having me today. Uh, my Bookstagram is at Lauren Lowe's. Um, and it's just bright and colourful and I don't put um, full reviews on there, just, you know, a few thoughts on on what I've read. Um, currently, I'm reading Tipping by Anna George, which is uh, about a woman who I guess is suffering from mum burnout, from taking on all the, you know, all the household work and uh, it's that and a sexting scandal at the school that her son goes to and so it's a really interesting look at uh, the division of labour within the home and how we're teaching children to see the difference in the sexes. Um, and it kind of fits. I'm on a bit of an Australian bent at the moment. So everything I'm reading is really by Australian authors right now. Um, and I think it fits kind of really well with Who Gets to Be Smart by Brie Lee, by Brisbane girl Brie Lee, um, which is has a really big um, chunk of it divided to what men and women get taught and how they get taught. Um, yeah, so I'm really enjoying tipping. It's really good. Awesome. Thank you. I like that it, you're, um, you've focused your reading on a lot of Australian authors at the moment, of which we all know they are very plentiful and some, some of them, the work that they're creating at the moment is really authentic to our time and our stories as well. Um, and even, even having said that, the stories of women of our past as well and how that potentially influences us in our lives today. Um, I am... My bookstagram handles at bookstoring underscore reviews. And I think, I guess what I could say about my bookstagram feed to describe it is I do share reviews of stories. I do tend to have a lot of spoilers. So I'm trying to find a bit of a balance at the moment of doing some with spoilers and some without. And I also sort of break it up with some images and pictures of what I'm reading. Um, and I normally like to show like a warm cup of tea because quite often a cup of tea accompany, accompanies me when I'm reading a book. Um, I am currently reading Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And this would be my third book of hers that I have read. Um, really enjoying it, enjoying sort of stepping into the 80s, that um, picturesque township of Malibu itself. And it definitely is giving me some puberty blues vibes um, as well. And the, that Puberty Blues um, theme song is just in my head <laughs> while I'm reading it. Uh, but yes, so very new into it. I only started it last night, but quite enjoying it. And it is all over Bookstagram at the moment. So I'm excited to finally uh, see if it's worth the hype. I read it last month and I loved it. I really liked it. So was there something in particular you really enjoyed about it, Sabrina? Just like in general, like the theme of it and the way that it was written. I loved the way it was written and there was quite a bit of drama, but I really liked that too. <laughs> so yeah, I just really liked the book in general. 
And even the flicks between the past and the relationship of her parent, of Nina, who it would be fair to say Nina's probably the main protagonist in the story. And then the, the flicks back between um, her story and her parents' story as well. I wasn't really expecting the shifts in time. And then how it's structured with actual times of the day. So it's setting up that it's basically set over the space of 12 hours, but then you do also have those little um, moments where it's flashing back into the past as well. So I'm, I'm enjoying the structure of it. Has anyone else read Mellaby Rising or another Taylor Jenkins read book that they would give a shout out to? Yeah, I've read almost all of her books now. I read Malibu Rising last month as well, and I loved it. It's not, it's still not my favourite of hers. Like, nothing can beat Evelyn Hugo for me. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done with the switch. Sometimes I'm not a big fan of switching between timelines, you know, when they go back in the past and then back in the future. I find I'm more interested in one and it takes away from the other story. But I found that she did it in such a way that I could stay interested in both storylines and still be happy to be mixing the whole way through. I agree with Magenta on that. I usually don't like it when they switch like between past and future, but I actually will like the way this one was written. So yeah. So that is a book I'm looking forward to reading in August and finishing that off. But we have all read a stack of books across July collectively, I'm sure. Lauren, would you like to start and tell us what you read in July? Yeah, uh, so I read quite a lot in July, um, but I read Love Objects by Emily Maguire, which is amazing. It's um, oh, it, it's all about family dynamics, and it's a really sex positive book. She's um, she's an Aussie author as well, and as soon as I finished it, I. It was my the first book of hers I've read. And so as soon as I finished it, I went out and got An Isolated Incident, which is, I think, probably her most well-known book. Um, and I read that and it's also amazing. Um, yeah, so I haven't read any of her other works. I think she's got a few other books, um, but I will be picking them up soon, I think. Uh, I also read Who Gets to Be Smart by Brie Lee, which was good. It's really interesting. I'm not much of a non-fiction reader, but I did enjoy that. Um, and Grace Under Pressure, which is another kind of mummy lit book. Um, yeah, and it was really good as well. That's by Tora. Oh, I might not be able to pronounce this. Tori Hashta. Tori Hashta. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That book's great. Yes. So good. Really, really good. Um, what else did I read? Um, Spring, Cle Spring Clean for the Peach Queen by Sasha Walsley. Again, I have no idea if I've pronounced that correctly. <laughs> um, and that was really good. Another a Aussie author. Um, yeah, that was a really fun, nice, heartwarming read. Yeah. Excellent. Mm. I'm just madly typing these down as you go. So I've got all of the books that you mentioned in the show notes. Um, has anyone read any similar books to Lauren that she pointed out? Yeah, I've read uh, Love Objects and I loved it. Um, it was a really interesting exploration of hoarding disorder as well, which I found very interesting. Um, and it was also a really good, I think, 
um, commentary on social class in Australia as well. I found it really interesting, like how our socioeconomic status can affect, you know, our education and um, the jobs we eventually seek and things like that. Um, and I don't know, like, I, I thought it was a really good book. I gave it five stars, actually, that one, I think. And as you said that, I also thought of, yeah, Briley's Who Gets to Be Smart definitely connects into that socioeconomic status and where you go to school, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Magenta, what about you? What did you read in July? Any, any particular standouts? Yeah, I read a bunch of books in July, but probably I have two standouts, I think, for the month would have been House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. She's a Sunshine, Sunshine Coast or Townsville, one of the two. I can't remember, but she's definitely from Queensland. Um, and it's this really sort of really dark, creepy kind of niche book. Like it's definitely not some something that everyone will love, but it's like the story of these sisters and one of them goes missing and the other two are desperately trying to find out what happened to her and they have a history that when they were little, they were actually kidnapped and held somewhere for 30 days and then all miraculously returned. And so there's all these dark themes, there's a little bit of paranormal mixed in there. And it's very like sort of flowery writing, but I don't know, it was just done so well. And just the connection that these sisters had and the way that they would fight for each other and stick to each other was just so beautiful that I couldn't go past it. I just, just loved it. She and also other shared the- a lot. Um, she also shared a lot on her Instagram about the the book itself and her inspiration for it. So I haven't yet read it, but it is on my TBR. But I believe she travelled to, it would have been somewhere in Asia, like potentially like Thailand or maybe even like Indonesia and Bali, but, uh, and saw this like window and kind of imagined what would happen if people like passed through yeah. it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And even she shares a lot of um, visual stimulus for her story. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. and so if if you are listening and you are um, interested in hearing more about it, I would definitely uh, recommend following her Instagram page because she's quite immersive in what she shares. So, yeah. Yeah, and definitely. It was really, really different. I don't usually read that kind of genre, but I read it and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Really beautifully, beautiful prose, really, yeah, very descriptive and beautiful. And just so unique. Like, I don't think I've ever read anything like it. Mm. And what was your other book you were going to mention? Um, The Bluffs by Carl Perry. I really, I read that book and I really, really loved it. I I love the way he, like, you can tell he's from Tasmania, the way he describes the landscape and everything. And having, it's about these um, teenagers who go missing, like, in this forest that's called The Bluffs. It's like this, like, mountain forest area. And just the visuals that he gives you makes you feel like you're right there looking into this wilderness yourself. And so you feel all the same kind of feelings that they would. It's like all that anxiousness and fear. Oh, I really, really enjoyed that one too. How does he compare to Jane Harper? Well, um, I think that they have, I, I like their books similarly, but I think I liked his sort of like visuals and the way he described the world and everything and like the feeling that I got from his books better. But I feel like Jane Harper does very immersive characters and like you get very attached to the characters that she writes. So that's probably how I differentiate them, but they're, they're on the same bar for me. I really loved, I've loved all Jane Harper's books too. And Lauren, I just interrupted you before, but what were you going to add? I was actually going to ask the exact same question. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely have a... Like, if you like her books, you'll probably like his books. I I can't see you disliking them if you like hers. 
Yeah, great. Sabrina, what about you? What did you read in July? So I had a bit of a slow month in July. I just felt fell into a bit of a reading slump, but I read three books in total. Um, so the first one I read was The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. It's just a really feel-good romance. I love reading romance books, so it, it helped me to get out of the slump, which was great because I was really not feeling reading this month, but loved that. And then the second book I read was The Happiest Man on Earth by Eddie Jacku. I felt that one was such like, it's just so inspiring, everything that he went through and just him writing that book. And I think the fact that it came out on his 100th birthday or something to that effect, or he wrote it then, I don't, something to that effect. But I just love that one too. It was such a good nonfiction. And then the other one I read, which I found very interesting, was the Booked and Brizzy pick for the month, which was All Is Not Forgotten by Wendy Walker. I was kind of expecting to be thrown into like a thriller type book and be really invested. And it was really good, but I really liked the way it was written because it wasn't written from the perspective of what happened to the person, if that makes sense. I don't want to give too much away, but <laughs> um, it was written from like almost a third person perspective. And I really liked that because I didn't really get to attach to what was actually happening in the story. And the things that were happening were like not good. Like I feel like if I had read it and it was written from that first person's perspective, it would have been very similar to a book I read earlier on in the year, which I really didn't like because it was just all of this hardship coming at you all the time. And I just really struggled to get through it. So I really, I enjoyed it and it was very interesting. I would say that it was very, very interesting. I adored The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. I think that is such a good book to get you out of a slump. And I love the premise of the idea that these two kind of enemies end up going on a, on someone else's honeymoon. Like, I think it's just a really um, hilarious kind of setup. Um, the other one that you mentioned was The Happiest Man on Earth. And I adored that book. That was my 2020 like top read. Uh, and if uh, people who are interested, I've done a podcast episode on that one as well. It was my first ever episode, uh, but it is, it is a good one if you want to uh, have a listen to it and sort of immerse yourself back in that read as well. So what about you, Sarah? What did you read in July? I had a great month. I didn't think I'd read that many books. And then today in preparing for the podcast, I realized I'd read six. So I was like, wow, that's awesome. Um, I, it's hard to pick which one I, I, I did have a DNF, which was the lost flowers of Alice Hart that disappo- disappointed me slightly. I had great expectations for that book, but um, the, the characters just didn't connect to me. And I just found her language to be very contrived and very flowery and, it was one of those situations where I just could not connect with the storyline or the characters or anything. Um, but I read The Nature of Witches by uh, Rachel Griffin, Jasper Jones by Craig Sylvie. I read the very last book in the science fiction series, uh, the Wayfarer series by Becky Chambers. I don't know if any of you have ever read that. And it's called The Galaxy and the Ground Within. I enjoyed that. I also read Red, White and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston and um, The Little French Bridal Shop by Jennifer Dup- 
Kay, I think that's how you pronounce um, her name. Um, I think the standouts for me this month were Jasper Jones. It's one of those books that's literally been on my TBR for about a year. I'd read Honeybee first and I loved Honeybee, but I really thought that Jasper Jones is the more superior of his works compared to um, Honeybee. Um, I think The Monthly called it the Australian To Kill a Mockingbird and it really did have that vibe for me. The, um, you know, it was set in the 1960s. It was a time where racism was rife, bigotry was rife and it also had that murder mystery element to it, like To Kill a Mockingbird as well. Uh, I'm just really glad I've read it. It's one of those books that I've just wanted to tick off my list for a really long time. And I think, Tegan, you were saying that you've done a podcast on that as well. Is that right? Yeah. And a chunk of the podcast actually is talking about how it compares to To Kill a Mockingbird. So it goes a little uh, bit English teacher, but yeah. yeah, there's so many parallels once you start to dig. So many. Yeah, so many parallels. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad I read it. The other standout for me was Red, White and Royal Blue. It's one of these books that you see on Bookstagram all the time and i'm really glad i read that as well it was so fun the prose was just so bright and effervescent it was also just extremely romantic the whole premise of the son of the president of the united states falling in love with the prince of wales it was just very fun very unique and i'm also glad i've ticked that one off and in fact for august i want to read one last stop her most recent book so that was good. Um, and The Nature of Witches, that was excellent. That is uh, Rachel Griffin's debut YA novel. And it's very, it's got a very unique premise as well. It's, um, it's about witches who control the climate. And in the world that they live in, the effects of climate change mean that there's a lot more pressure on witches to help control the climate and things like that. And it's set in a boarding school context. And I think I've said in my review that there's a lot of parallels with Harry Potter and that kind of trope was done really, really well. But it's also very romantic and the magic systems in this book are just amazing, just incredibly unique, um, very intricate and very engaging. And, yeah, that were probably my two standouts out of the six books that I read. Yeah, awesome. Snaps for, for hitting six as well. Um, I don't know I, I did. <laughs> sometimes you, you read more than you, you think as well. Like, and if they're ebooks or library books and they, you don't keep that accumulative pile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was very, very happy with myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also read six books. Um, my, probably my two standouts that I'll talk about is I'll Be There For You, the one about friends by Kelsey Miller. And it is a nonfiction book that is all about our friends, the television show. So after watching the reunion special, I was kind of looking for a little bit more, something else to sink my teeth into and um, just like not ready to let go that the reunions actually happened and it's never going to happen again. And we have to say goodbye for good. Um, but it was quite, it was good. In it, mentioned a few things that had already been mentioned in the reunion but there was a lot of the behind the scenes stuff like about the salary um sort of battles they went into and for me like I was quite young when friends was coming to an end and I didn't realize like at the end of season six they thought that was it and then the end of season seven they thought that was it and 
that was quite um, interesting. But it also acknowledges some of the downfalls of the show as well, like the um, the like the use of gay humor as as something that hasn't aged very well, um, the limited black representation. Uh, but then it also talks about um, the like the lesbian relationship between Carol and her partner, and how forward that was to see that. Um, on television during the time so um, it's definitely a good like mix of things that leaves you with a bit of food for thought and my other one that I absolutely loved and adored and will spruik about until um, the cows come home very Australian expression is The Last Migration uh, by Charlotte McConaughey and it was just beautifully written the the message of climate change and that it's it, that it's happening and that it's real and that if we don't do something about it this book as a work of speculative fiction could actually become non-fiction uh, so i have also done a recently done a podcast episode on it too um, without too many spoilers in it so if you are interested in giving that a bit of a listen um, hopefully i can convince you to read the book there but that would be um, my standout has anyone read the last migration out of curiosity no, I haven't, but it's been sitting on my shelf for over a year. Yeah. So maybe I'll get to it now that you've read it and recommended it. Yeah. And it is a good winter read as well because it's set um, in the um, Antarctic Ocean. So if you want to feel a little bit colder than what we're currently feeling in Brisbane, then by all means, I um, highly recommend. So I think it's fair to say that we have read quite a few diverse reads across this, the five of us uh, during July, but looking forward into August, and as today is the 1st of August and the podcast is going to be released on the 2nd of August, uh, let's have a chat about what books we are hoping to read. Uh, who, would like to go, who would like to go first this time? I'll go. I've got my pile here. Awesome. Go for it. Okay, so uh, the first one on my list is Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I haven't read any of her novels, even though all f she's written three, I believe, and they're all on my shelf. So um, I want to read that one. The next one that I want to read is uh, Jack Mags by Peter Carey. And this is a spin-off of um, uh, Great Expectations. And it's Carrie's reimagining of the mysterious convict benefactor in Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. And I'm a huge fan of Charles Dickens and Great Expectations. And so many of my friends who know that have recommended this book to me. So that's on my list. I've also got Casey McQuiston's One Last Stop. I read Red, White and Royal Blue last month and I loved that. And then I've got this gifted copy of She Is Haunted by Paige Clark from Alan and Unwin, which I have been meaning to read for a while. So I hope to read that. I don't know what it's about, but it looks good. And I'm also on the Helen Garner train at the moment. I'm reading Monkey Grip. I'm just enjoying her writing so much. She's very visceral in how she writes. She's very frank. She's very raw and just says it how it is. She doesn't hold back at all. And this book here is her, her it's a, a, her diary basically. And it's her diaries from 1987 to 1995 and it's called One Day I'll Remember This. So 
that's also on my list. But the one I'm probably most looking forward to reading is Jack Maggs by Peter Carey. That sounds very, very interesting. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, alrighty. Uh, Magenta, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, I have three that I really want to read in August. Um, the first one's Thursdays at Orange Blossom House. I always forget the title because it's so long. Um, it's by Sophie Green and it just sounds so, it sounds so lovely. Um, it's set in far North Queensland and it's about this group of ladies who are feeling their age. They're in their seventies, I believe. And so they go to Orange Blossom House and it's just like the story of their friendship and just sort of learning to, to be happy with, their life where it is now. So that sounds really good. Um, I'm also looking forward to Women of Troy by Pat Barker. It's the it's another mythological book. So it's a retelling of the women in the Iliad. So that'll be really good. I love all those kind of mythology retellings and things like that. I think it's a follow-up to the silence silence of the girls that he wrote. She wrote, I can't remember a few years back now. And Hell of a Book by Jason Mott is another one I really want to read this month too. Cool, thank you. Uh, Silence of the Girls and Women of Troy uh, are both sitting there on my TBR. What about you, Lauren? What are your August hopefuls? Uh, so I've got a few. I want to read 100 Days by Alice Pung. Um, you guys have all talked about the books that you want to read and given a bit of a description of them. Um, I'm a, may perhaps a bit of an anomaly in that I don't read blurbs on books before I read the book. I tend to just go in cold. Um, <laughs> so I have no idea what that's about. <laughs> I actually don't know what any of these books are about, but I really want to read um, The End of Men by Christina Sweeney Bard as well. Um, she's another Aussie author, I believe, I think. I think so is Alice Pung. Um, um, and The Husbands by Chandler Baker. Um, I also don't know what that's about, but I, <laughs> I did read The Whisper Network recently and loved it. It was really good. Um, so hopefully the husband lives up to that. Um, and also Malibu Rising as well, which I think Sarah mentioned too. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Lauren, I'm curious to ask you then, if it's not the blurbs that um, sort of make you read a book, what, what is it? Or you don't know? <laughs> um, usually the front cover. Um, anything that I see lots of pics on Bookstagram about. I And lots of people saying this was amazing. I don't, I, I read people saying this is great, but I don't tend to read um, what it's actually about. Um, I know it sounds very weird, doesn't it, when I say it like that. Um, though, I must admit, I came across someone on Bookstagram um, before I read um, Casey McQuiston's most recent, is it um, One Last Stop or... Um, yeah, uh, before I read that, I came across someone on Bookstagram who said the exact same thing, I don't read blurbs. Um, but 
and she hated it because she didn't read the blurb. And I was like, oh, well, I better read the blurb on that one first, <laughs> um, which I did. Um, and I'm glad I did because, yeah, she's right. If you didn't know it had that time-travelling element <laughs> to it, you might be a bit put off. But, yeah, it was a great book. Um, yeah, <laughs> so it's usually just the front covers or if I like the author or, yeah, having seen things on Bookstagram. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all right. It's basically like you're having a blind date with a book every time you pick up something to read. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I love it. You, yeah, just you go in completely cold and having not many expectations. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Sabrina? What is your, what, I'll say that again. Uh, Sabrina, what are your August hopefuls? Yeah, so I'm reading Shiver currently. So that was a hopeful for quite a while. I've been wanting to read it for forever, but in terms of other books I've wanted to read, I've got The Strangers We Know by Pip Drysdale. I read um, The Paris Affair by Pip Drysdale a couple months ago, and I wasn't a massive fan of it, but I have heard that this one is a lot better. So I'm excited to read that and see how I go with it. And then The Tenth Girl by Sarah Faring. Apparently, it's also a psychological thriller. Um, I think it might be YA. I'm not sure, but... The blurb for me seemed really interesting, so I'm excited to read that. And then The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. So this is like a kind of a bit of a romance. Um, I'm really excited to read this one. I've seen this all over Bookstagram too, and apparently it's really good. So I'm excited to read that. And then also Malice by Heather Walter. This is a YA and it's basically about um, like a twist on Cinderella in a way. So taking it from the villain's perspective. So from like the person who basically does all the bad stuff to the princess. So I'm really excited to read that because I've read a couple of books in the same sort of manner where it's taken from the villain's perspective and they were all really, really good. So I'm excited to see how that one goes too. I always find the villains the most fascinating. Like in any yeah. of like the throw-off series or like movies, the, the villains are the ones with the interesting backstory. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a few, but I'm such a mood reader that I, I don't normally set myself a goal ahead of the month and say, I really want to read this, this, and this. Um, so my first one, yeah, is Malibu Rising. Um, it is my book club book for next week, but I'm a bit worried. We might not get book club next weekend. So anyway, maybe we'll have to do an online book club for that one as well. Uh, but there's two new releases that are coming out or have come out. Um, and the first one is The Last Guest by J.P. Pomer. So I've read two or three of his other books and really like his gripping nature of thrillers. So that one is definitely on my list. Apparently it's really terrifying is what a lot of people are telling me that have had um, arcs of it. <laughs> So might have to read that one in daylight hours. <laughs> um, Once We Were Wolves by Charlotte McConaughey. So I mentioned The Last Migration uh, by her uh, earlier in the, in the episode, but her new book is coming out on the 3rd of August and it's set in Scotland and is essentially about the last wolf 
that is in existence and, and caring for that. Um, I'm interested to see if there'll be a little bit of a crossover of characters between The Last Migration and Once We Were Wolves. And the other one uh, that finally arrived in the mail this week is The People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. And I've been reading a lot of um, romance this year. I'm not too sure what it is. I got married this year, so maybe that's why. <laughs> I don't know, or even just a bit of an escape from um, like the thriller historical fiction stuff that I normally read. So yeah, looking forward to reading that one as well. Cool. Um, awesome. Is there anything else anyone wanted to talk about or was hoping to chat about at our meetup today? Um, I just wanted to say what Sarah was speaking about Red, White and Royal Blue by Casey McQuinston. I love that book, like hands down, love it. I would probably read it five times over. I've actually reread re it once already. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was such a good book. Yeah. And I just loved the, uh, the, the banter between the two protagonists. They just, it's just so witty and just so clever and funny, wasn't it? That's the thing yeah. that got me. Yeah. The yeah, text message exchanges and the email exchanges and just the way they just, the way they interact, it was just, I really loved it. And it was so romantic too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so good. And I loved the way that they sort of, um, that it was brought up from like haters to lovers in a way, you know, like I yeah. just love the way that she did that. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm really yeah. looking forward to one last stop this month yeah mm. i've heard it's good um and then i've heard from other people that they didn't like it so i'm i've, I've also wanted to read it so i'm a bit conflicted now i'm like i don't know <laughs> which way i'm gonna go with it but i'm excited too i really love red white and royal blue so i feel like i'm gonna love this one too yeah i've bought so much bookish merch too i've got bookmarks key rings <laughs> everything red white and royal blue I'm on the, the merch train for red, white and what roll blue. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today for a bit of a lockdown impromptu podcast recording. Thank you for having us. Right, thanks for having us, Tegan. Thank you so Thank much, you. Tegan. You have been listening to the book story and podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the book story and podcast.